Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, it's good to be with you here today, and uh, we're going to continue in our series in the book of Acts uh, called The Arrival. This is part two, if you join us for the first, second time. Um, we are breaking this up into four different sections of the book of Acts, taking a theme out of every chapter, uh, not going verse by verse, totally per se in it. And uh, today we're going to talk about removing the, the lids that limit us in our life. And we all have them. But before I do, let me just say that for those of you that um, uh, took home a box or brought a box for Operation Christmas Child, thank you very much for your effort and what you did because as far as New Beginnings, uh, total we... We, uh, there's like 270 some boxes that have been brought in by New Beginnings churches are going to go to kids and then we be, we're a drop off center also as you see all the boxes back there that's not all of them that are filled up with bo- little boxes a uh, total of 600 and some have come in through drop off here so and that's just one drop off center of many 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 drop off centers and so God's doing a good work now if you didn't do that and you still would like to just know that um you can still go online and do one online. I mean, they have a way to do this. You go to Operation Christmas Child, and you go on there. You can still do it because in case you, you just didn't really get the full um, uh, message on what, what this is, it's you fill up these boxes. It's through, um, through Franklin Graham's ministry, Billy Graham's son. You fill up these boxes, and it gives a Christmas to a child in a third world country. And they get to share the gospel with that child. So it's like a win-win. And so the more boxes we get out there of these Operation Christmas Child boxes, the more kids get to hear the gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ. And you get to bless them during Christmas time. Amen to that one? So you can still do it online, but if you don't next year, just be sure you all do this because it's a great, great blessing to do that. So today I want to talk about removing the lids that limit us and I want to start first with that verse I've been using every week because I want to get you guys to learn a verse at a time and this one will spend probably another four five six weeks on it we've been on I think it's our fourth week but I want you all to read this out loud with me Bible says good to pay attention to the public reading of scripture I'll count to three and you all say with me here we go one two three all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Now, let me take one word out of there, and that's the word teaching. And it's the idea of doctrine. And so we want to learn the teaching of God's word because it is the truth. Jesus tells the disciples as he's marching from that upper room the last night of his life before he's going to crucifixion in the morning as he's walking one of the things he tells the disciples in John 17 is sanctify them he's telling them, talking to the father sanctify them the disciples in truth your word father is truth and so we know the word of God is true because Jesus who came back from the dead historically evidenced he came back from the dead. Therefore, we know it's true. If somebody rises from the dead and they say this is true, guess what, guys? It's true, right? And that's just what it is. 
So take that verse, continue to hopefully go and memorize it, uh, and it'll help you out. So removing the lids that limit us. Okay, I have a question I want to start off with. How many of you have ever felt stuck? Raise your hand. Just raise, be honest. Just be honest. Okay, raise them up. The rest of you not telling the truth. Okay, good. Now, <laughs> let me widen that out even more. Let me, give, let, me, um, let me just drill down on it a little more. How many of you have ever felt stuck due to your own way of thinking? I can tell you, I've been through that many, many times in my life. Now, here's what today is all about. I've been, uh, and I'll use my own life as, a, um, as kind of a starting point. I've been, I was the guy, before I became a Christian, I'm going to date myself, the only thing I read was the paper, the sports page of the newspaper. Some of you don't know what a newspaper is. I got it, okay? But that's all I would read is the, is the sports page, and that was it. But then I became a Christian, and I opened up this Bible, and this Bible came alive. Anybody know, can anyone relate to that? Now, do you know why that is? It's because when you became a Christian, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you, and that Holy Spirit now testifies of the truth as you read God's Word that it is true. And it comes alive because your spirit's alive, and these words are only spiritually appraised. That's why a non-believer, someone's not born again, they cannot understand this completely. They'll always misquote it, take it out of context, because the Spirit of God, who is the one who helps interpret, is not dwelling in them. Does that make sense so far? Now, I read it for four, I've been reading it for 43 years. Now, here's one of the things that I know. This Bible, the, these truths here, they have... They have reproved me and they have corrected me f- throughout my 43 years. Can anybody relate to that as you read? How many can, come on, I wonder how many can relate to it. The rest of you cannot relate to that whatsoever, but you're a Christian. Okay, I got it, okay. Now, <clears throat> let me drill down more. It has challenged me in the way I look at life culturally. It's challenged the cultural thoughts that have been taught to me from all my life, it challenges that. It has challenged me ethnically in my life, things I learned in my ethnicity, I'm Swedish, as you can tell, um, no, no, but it's challenged, I'm, I'm Mexican, it's challenged me in my ethnicity, things that I learned in my growing up years in that household, my parents' household, things that were taught me in the Bible. I'd read the Bible and go, no, what my mom or my dad said on this or on that point, that's wrong, this is right. What society says about this thing, they're wrong because it contradicts us, this is right. Anybody know what I mean? It has challenged me in my relationships and how I operate in relationships. Now, one thing I told you a couple years ago, I'll tell you again, I really did believe, and I believe this, that, that I personally would be divorced a couple times by the time I was 30 years of age. I really believe that. I did not believe that you could stay with one person for one lifetime or for the rest of your life. I just couldn't believe that was possible. And so it challenged that when I became a Christian. It challenged the way I handled money. It challenged me on how I viewed money. I used to think money was God. It was it, man. That was all about right there. And that challenged me on, on that viewpoint there, where I know that, God, that money doesn't give me all the happiness in the world. It doesn't give me what I'm looking for whatsoever. It challenged me on my work ethic, that I'm not supposed to cheat God or cheat the company time-wise or anything. It challenged me to do my work and do it right. Amen to that one right there. 
and it challenged every dysfunctional lie that I have believed in my life. It is true, it challenges me, and it pushes me. Now, <clears throat> what I'm telling you is this, and this is what my prayer is. I pray you just don't want, you know, I hope I preach a good message, but I just pray you don't walk away going, that was a good message, and then do nothing about it. Because I'm gonna take you through this process with Peter that God uses to transform his thinking and lift the lid off his thinking so he can live a more purposeful life for himself in God. Does that make sense? What I'm saying is this. If you don't, if you don't and I don't do the soul work, S-O-U-L work, of our lives and really take a look inside and quit looking at everybody else on their this and their that. Stop it. You're wasting your time. Do the soul work in your own life. Let the Word of God through the Spirit of God begin to challenge your thinking, challenge the way you view things, and allow that to heal you up and to get you right. Man, if you don't do that, then this message is just a waste of time. It's just going to be another message where we routinely come to church because that's what I do and I'm glad you do it's the right thing to do but that's all it's going to be but I hope you take it and say okay it's time for me to start getting down in the work of my life the Holy Spirit wants to do some transformation in me and so I want I to show you how the Spirit of God works in Peter's life to get him to remove that lid and there's a big lid on his life that is limiting him from doing and living the purpose of God and living to his ultimate in his life and we all have them here's what I know about my life and I know it about every human on the planet whether you're a pastor or not and that's this we all believe lies do we not and how do I know that? Because we know Jesus said of the devil, he's the father of all lies, correct? You and I live in a fallen world. This is not heaven, in case you haven't checked yet. It's not heaven, it's a fallen world filled with lies, and we are always battling these lies that have been coming at us all of our life. And here comes the Spirit of God, and here comes the Word of God to give us truth so we can walk in the truth and one at a time uncork, uncork, uncork the lie and then apply the truth and walk in that truth. And, therefore, and in doing that, we lift the limits that limit us. Does that make sense? Yes or no? Okay, I just want to make sure we're on the same page and we got that one down. Now, here's what I'm going to do. Um, uh, we're, going, we're going to, last week, Charlie Bacard, great job, chapter 10. I have chapter 11. But those of you who know your Bible know that chapter 10 and chapter 11 are what? They're the same. They're the same. You're going to, you go, Jim, you're going to preach the same message? No. No, I'm not. What I'm going to do is, I'm going to take you to chapter 11, first 18 verses, light commentary. Then I'm going to use 11 and go back to 10, and I'm going to use them together because they're the same chapter. But I want to show you how God operates in Peter's life and what he does to get his thinking to change. And it's a process. It's the same process that you go through and I go through. And it will challenge you. And you'll object to it, as we're going to see. But it will challenge you. So here we go. If you have your Bibles, which I hope you do, I hope you make the Bible your book. This is the book. We live in a spiritually illiterate Christian America. You need to learn your Bible. Amen to that one. Okay, Acts chapter 11. Here we go. 18 verses, light commentary. Then we'll get right into it. Here we go. Verse 1. This is just to give you a rehearsing again of what's going on. Now the apostles and the brethren who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. Stop. What is a Gentile? I'm just going Christianity 101. It's a non-Jew. 
So a non-Jewish person, these non-Jewish people are now receiving the word of God. Now they're beginning to believe in Jesus. They're accepting these things. So it's getting back now. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, so Peter's been down there and he's seen it all. He's come back to Jerusalem because he's the guy in chapter 10 that went to preach to Gentiles. And so now there's gonna be a beef here with the home, homeboys. It says, those who were circumcised took issue with him. Who are the circumcised? They're the Jews. Circumcision, in case you didn't know, was the covenant sign of relationship between a man and Yahweh God in the Old Testament. So now we see this little schism taking place. Peter has preached to Gentiles, non-Jews. He comes to Jerusalem, and the Jews are angry with him because you went to these ethnic people over there that are not our ethnicity, and now we got a little ethnic problem going on here. Amen to that one. You follow me? Yes or no? Okay, so now the fight's on. Verse 3. There's what they're going to tell Peter. He said, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. Well, how dare Peter eat with these guys? What's the big deal about food? Why are they so angry? Well, remember Jesus, the night of the Last Supper, takes a little piece of bread and gives it to Judas? Who remembers that? Well, that tells you something about the culture. Jesus was saying to Judas, hey, I still unconditionally accept you. Now, logically, I don't know how that works theologically, but he's saying, don't basically, come on, don't throw your life away. So eating with someone is like unconditionally accepting the person. And plus, if you eat with someone, aren't you in the same room? Aren't you in the same house? So he's in a Gentile house, and they know it. And you've unconditionally accepted these people. You know that we don't hang out with that ethnicity over there. We're Jews. We don't hang out with non-Jews. That's the big beef right now. Verse four. But Peter began speaking and proceeded to explain to them in orderly sequence. Now Peter's gonna give his defense. Here's what he says. I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance I saw a vision, an object coming down like a great sheet lowered by four corners from the sky and it came right down to me. Getting pretty interesting, huh? And when I had fixed my gaze on it, and was observing it, I saw the four-footed animals of the earth and the wild beasts and the crawling creatures and the birds of the air. Verse seven. I also heard a voice saying to me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, here's what Peter says. By no means, Lord. He knows God's talking to him, Lord. But no, for nothing unholy or unclean has ever entered my mouth no I'm not doing it good. but a voice from heaven answered what a uh, second time what God has cleansed no longer consider unholy oh okay verse 10 this happened three times and everything was drawn back up into the sky oh so Peter has been told by God eat and Peter tells God what no, no. I mean we can relate right how many times has God told you something the word of God? No, no, that's for everybody else. No, no, not me. Not me. Okay, now, so he's, he's battling with God, but he's telling the guys back in Jerusalem, this is what happened. This is what, this is what went down, guys. Verse 11. And behold, at that moment, three men appeared at the house. If you were here last week, you know that Cornelius sent men to go get Peter 
in Joppa. So this is where they're, they're coming together here. God is speaking to two different parties, Gentile and Jewish Peter, and they're going to come together to bring Peter to Gentiles. Which you are saying, having, having been sent to me from Caesarea. Verse 12. The Spirit told me to go with them without misgivings. In other words, the Holy Spirit told me to go to the Gentiles and don't, and don't fight about it. These six brethren also went with me. He's got witnesses with them that went with him. And we entered the man's house. Now that's already like, you went in a Gentile's house. Verse 13. And he reported to us how he had seen an angel standing in his house and saying, send a Joppa and have Simon, who's Peter, who is also called Peter, brought here. And he will speak words to you by which you will be saved and you and all your household. And as I began to speak, now Peter says, and as I began to speak, because they asked me to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, these Gentiles, these non-Jews, guys, as he did upon, as he did upon us. Oh my gosh. So God's doing to them what he did to us. The Holy Spirit fell upon as he did upon us at the beginning. What was the beginning? That was the day the church was born. The power of the Spirit comes down. The baptism and power, Acts chapter 2. It's happening to the Gentiles now. And these Jews in Jerusalem, it's kind of throwing them for a loop. Are you kidding me? But Peter's telling us what happened. Verse 7, verse 16. And then Peter says this, and I remembered the word. Don't you just love that? Don't you love when you can remember the word of God in a situation? Don't you love when you're in a conversation and you can remember the word of God? Because you have studied the word of God, because you've got experience in the word of God, and it comes right back to your memory. Bang! And I remember the word of God. And this is what I remember. Oh, the Lord, how he used to say, how, what Jesus used to say, Jesus would say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Instantly he says, I knew in that moment that this is what Jesus said when he, at that baptism time. This is what he said, and I'm watching it before my eyes again like it happened to us. Verse 17. Therefore, if God gave to them, these Gentiles, the same gift as he gave to us also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was I? Who was I that I could stand in God's way? Yeah. When they heard this, they quieted down. Well, you think? And glorified God saying, well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. They shut up. Because what can they say? Because Peter just gave the evidence of what happened. Now, I'm going to give you three things. It's progressive. It's how God works in our life. Like I said, if you don't do the soul work, you can put some earplugs in. It won't even matter. The message won't matter. But if you really want to grow and you want the limits of life removed from you because you want transformed biblical thinking, then you pay attention and be ready to do the work in your life. To remove the lids that limit, number one, there's stages. Number one, the first stage is the objection. There's an objection. Now, turn back to Acts 10. I'm going to read verses 11 through 16. I'm going to rapid fire through them because they're just a repeat of what we just read here. Um, verse 11 of Acts 10 says this. And he saw the sky opened up and an object like a great sheet coming down, lowered by four corners to the ground. And there were in it all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the air. A voice came to him 
Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, oh, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy and unclean. Again, a voice uh, came to him a second time. What God has cleansed, no longer consider what? Unholy. This happened how many times? You know why it happens three times? Because how many know we have thick skulls? Right, we just don't get it the first time. And immediately the object was taken up into the sky. Question. What's Peter objecting to? What's he basically objecting to? What specifically is Peter objecting to? It's not a true question, guys. Eating that food. I'm not going to eat. No, no, I can't eat that food. Now, God told them in the Old Testament, there's certain things you can't eat, certain things you can't, you can't do these things. So I want to talk about, I want to give you the understanding why he's objecting. I'm going to give you the when, and I'm going to give you the what of this point right here. Now, <clears throat> Here's the when. Peter, in this moment of time, he has been through almost 1,500 years of generation after generation after generation of Jewish family of conditioning in his mind. Almost that long. He's sitting here probably seven years after the resurrection. Let's say it's around 40 AD. When they left Egypt back in 1446 BC, that's a very important time frame. Do not go with the secular false scholars who say 1250 or thereabouts B.C. That never fits, and it's not even in the Bible that way. 1446 B.C., they leave Egypt. So 1,500 years are going by, and it's conditioning him in his thinking a certain way. And the certain thing is, you can't eat certain things. Now question, is change hard? That's very hard, isn't it? Is all change good? Answer, no. But even good change is hard to change with, right? It's a very, very difficult thing. I understand that. Now, especially when God told you, don't eat that food. Now, I want you to think about this. <clears throat> 1,500 years, his family has said religiously and ethnically, this is the way it is. And you don't go near you don't mingle. You don't go in the home. Those ethnic people over, those Gentiles, you don't do it. Uh-uh. And so Peter's got this conditioning. And all in his mind, I, I can't do these things. Now, so that's the when. Almost 1,500 years. That's the when. When you've been thinking like that way in a family for 1,500 years, it's tough to change. But what's the why? Because the why is just as important as the when. Why is he not allowed to do this? Well, <clears throat> in the Old Testament, they were given these laws. When Moses comes down off the mountain, he just, Sinai, he doesn't just give them the Ten Commandments. He got a bunch of laws. Have you ever read them in the Old Testament? There's a bunch of them, man. So how many have ever read like Leviticus? How many have ever read the Old Testament in that time, in that, that, that part, and you thought, like I did, this is weird. You, you can't eat that. Uh, you can't do that. It's like all kinds of weird stuff, and, and you're almost embarrassed to tell other people, well, that's what it says. Right? I'm just being honest, right? 
And so, let me, let me tell you what some, some of this stuff was. Um, they could not eat shellfish. No shrimp, lobster, crab legs, crawdads. Trying to get you somewhere, okay? You can't have lobster, guys. You know how you dip it in the butter? You can't do that. I, I'm, I'm be like, wait a minute. Now, let me, let me get further on that one right there because... As I said earlier, I, I'm not Swedish, all right? I'm Mexican. They couldn't have pork. Can you imagine when they, by the way, you guys can't have pork. I'd be like, I'm out. I'm out. I can't have carnitas? Are, are you kidding me? I can't eat this? Where's the nearest Chipotle? Come on, let's stop right now. No, no, you can't. Wait, let, let me take that in front. I'm a human, too. Think about that. I, what? I... I, I I can't have pork chops or baby back ribs. I can't have bacon. How many would say right there, I'm out. We're going, we're going back now. I'm, I'm, I, I can't, God, I, you know, it was cool. The 10 miracles were really cool. The Red Sea part, cool. But I'm out. Okay. Here's, what, what was the big deal? Why is God saying these things that you and I are going like, yeah, what's the big deal? Well, let me try to explain why God prohibited certain foods and certain things to these people. Okay, it's a very simple, it's a simple answer. And always please remember this when people are challenging you on these Old Testament laws. When they leave Egypt, was Egypt an idol-filled nation? Yeah, and they were there generationally over 400 years. So they knew about idols, right? They were indoctrinated in idols, right? When they leave there, the Red Sea parts. And instantly, what do they create? An idol, huh? They have a, the, the golden calf, they, because that's what they learned. That's what their mindset is. Moses is dead, let's make our own God. But God says, as you're traveling, you can't have pork, you can't have this, you can't have this. Why? Because as you're traveling to the desert for 40 years, there are people groups all around them as they're traveling. Notice I didn't say races, because the Bible teaches, and biology is true um, on this one, that there's only one race, the human race. Amen to that one? There's no such thing as race. The politicians, the news, all they do is they use, cli I call them the cliche culture, cliches, and all it does is divide people. They think it's helping. It's doing nothing good whatsoever when they say that. We're one race, the human race. Everybody say amen to that one right there. Okay. And it's just fact. It's just a fact. But they won't, they won't say that. They're going to keep dividing us, create a crisis out here. So they'll tell us, if you don't vote for me, then it's over. Anybody ever noticed that before? It's like, they're our Savior. And I go, no, they ain't my Savior. You're my Savior up here. Okay. Now, where was that? Because you guys got me off track. Okay. He says, the, now these people groups you're traveling through, these people groups, okay. They all worship idols. These people groups, let's take pork. Because we like carnitas, right? Okay. Okay. They ate pork, but the pork wasn't the issue. You see, they would take the pig, many of these people groups, and they would use them in their worship to their pagan gods of the underworld, of the netherworld. And that's just one piece of all the things. And so God, you take that idea there that they're using pigs in their worship to false gods, God says, you're not going to touch that. And then so God puts all these laws and rules that as they're traveling through the desert, 
You can't do this, you can't do that, and you can't do that because you are my unique, specific, chosen people. You are different, and in this time frame, you can't touch this stuff because all the false idol people out here, they're the ones who are all enmeshed in that stuff right there. Does that make sense? See, the stuff wasn't bad. It's the prohibition that mattered. God said, don't do it. Now, big question. I'll say it again and again and again. We've talked about this before. How do I know? Because somebody's going to say, well, those Old Testament laws, and, and this is to free you. See, some of us right now, you're living in lies that you have believed. Because somebody told you in the spiritual world, in Christianity, some Old Testament law, you can't do this, and you can't do this, and you can't do this, and you can't do this, right? And they point to some Old Testament law. Am I right? Yes or no? Okay, how do I know what laws in the Old Testament pertain to me or not? Because some of them are wild, right? Right? Okay. If an Old Testament law, if you can find that law in the New Testament, then it pertains to you and I because we're New Testament believers, correct? If you cannot find that Old Testament law in the New Testament, it doesn't pertain to you. You're a New Testament believer. It pertained to them in that time frame as they're traveling through the desert and separating and to be a separate people throughout the Old Testament. That's, that pertains to them, but not to you and I. Does that make sense? It's just that simple. But God said, you don't touch this stuff because it's going to defile you. You're going to be like the other nations. Here was the problem, though. The Jews took this, you can't have pork, you can't do this, and they took it and they applied it to people. Don't go around those people. Those people are unclean. Those Gentiles over there. Can you imagine now Peter who's called to reach the entire world with the gospel of Jesus Christ and in his mind, I can't go around anyone who's not a Jew. Do you see the problem? He'd have to stand back with a bullhorn 100 yards away going, come to Jesus but stay away from me right it'd be like that which is ridiculous but that's that's what the problem he's got a lid on his on his thinking on his mind and he's and he's battling 1500 years about of wrong thinking are we any different are we any different we battle old thinking more than you and i could probably even imagine we battle old thinking we battle relational thinking, financial thinking, ethnic thinking, cultural thinking. We battle all these things. I remember my own family, things that were said, this and that, ethnically, and so you think, yeah, that's true, and then you get older and you read the Bible, that wasn't true. That's not the way you look at life. That's not the way God says look at it. So Peter's objecting. He's objecting. No. No, that's this, no, that's not right, God. So that's where we sit. And when God's word points out something to us that we think the opposite, don't we object in the beginning somewhere? Do we not? Yeah, we fight it. We fight it. But at least the second point here, and that's this, stage two is the confusion. So now Peter moves from the objection, he's going to move to the confusion now. Now watch verse 17 of chapter 10. Now, what is this one? He said, Now, while Peter was greatly, say the word, perplexed in mind as to what the vision which he had seen might be, behold, the men who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked directions for Simon's house, appeared at the gate. So now, 
he's getting together the Gentiles and here comes this moment where he's perplexed now by the way you start putting these things together well let me me, I'll wait on that one for a minute let me say this so he's there he's perplexed at this gate here now the word perplexed it's the idea at a loss of what to think and the root word of that Greek word perplexed is the idea of no idea what to do ever been there ever been there I don't even know what to do this is just perplexing man I don't know what to do all your life you view something a certain way the culture told you this is the way it is social media says this is the way it is your ethnicity says this is the way it is and all of a sudden God says nope wrong 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 God is right and if you're not sure about that when it comes to ethnicity let me tell you something when Jesus and the Samaritan woman are going in dialogue battle in John chapter 4 she pulls out the ethnic card and she said my fathers we worshipped in this mountain it's Mount Gerizim and then she says to Jesus but you people in other words you're a Jew I'm Samaritan she said my fathers worshipped in this mountain but you people that's what she just did to Jesus she pulls out the ethnic card and what does Jesus do? He comes right back at it. He goes, oh, you want to talk about your daddy? And that's what he did. That's really what he did. He talked, talking about, he goes, let me tell you about my daddy. And he basically tells her this. Let me tell you something, little Samaritan lady. Your daddy, your granddaddy, your great abuelito, your great, great granddaddy. If, if they say something opposite of this, they're wrong. That's what he told her. That's what he said. He goes, because my father in heaven is father, and this is the way it is. That's what he told her. He shuts her down when she tries to pull the ethnic card on him. Uh-uh, we're all in this together. And my father's the only truth, not your family or that family or this ethnicity. Uh-uh, uh-uh. I, got, I just got a question. Because I got a little more time. I'm gonna keep you guys till like four o'clock. Be honest. Just please be honest. How many of you in your ethnic family, your parents or grandparents told you things, you grew up and you realized, that's not true. That was a lie. They they weren't doing it on purpose, but that's the way they viewed it, huh? I've got a better question since I've got time. Because this happened to me in junior high. Ninth grade. Back then, junior was ninth grade. How many of you stood up and said something opposite to your ethnicity and your ethnicity got really upset with you. Oh, that's all the bold people we have in this room. Okay. In ninth grade, I had about 15 guys getting ready to jump me and beat me up because I just wasn't going to stand that same way. Wasn't going to do it. I wasn't a Christian, but I just knew I wasn't going to. That's not right. Wasn't going to do that. Uh-uh. Don't matter what my ethnicity is. Don't matter what it's... You know, but when I come to Christian, then you realize, okay, God's right. And God's right. And that's who's right. Amen? Now, watch this, watch this. Because this one blows my mind. Now, Peter, he's not going to eat the food, right? Yes or no? Okay, help me out here, okay? I'm working really hard. Anywhere from eight to ten years earlier than this moment here, Watch what Jesus told the disciples who Peter is a part of. Watch what Jesus said. This is Jesus speaking. He said to them, Are you so lacking in understanding also? 
Do you not understand that whatever goes into a man from outside cannot defile him? Food ain't going to make you unclean. Verse 19, because it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach and is... Well, I'll leave that visual to you. Okay. <laughs> the, notice the parentheses. Thus he, Jesus, what? Say it. Declared all foods what? Clean. What? You can stop right there. I need to go any further. So eight to ten years earlier, Jesus tells Peter you can eat anything all foods are clean now we find Peter 8 to 10 years later go I'm not eating that even though Jesus told me could is change hard you better believe it's hard even when God's saying it's okay to do certain things here's the question on that one will Peter stay stuck or will he move to a new way of thinking that opens up and breaks off the limitations of life? what's he going to do because that's our question that's your question that's my question am I going to do what it says or am I going to do what it says now stage three here he comes here he comes this is where it gets better the acceptance now here comes the acceptance now Peter has now traveled to Cornelius' home and, and there's, a, there's a group of people Cornelius' family's there they've all gathered it's a Gentile home now watch this in Acts 10 33 and 34 watch this so I sent for you immediately and you have been kind enough to come. Now then, we are all here present before God to hear what? To hear what? Oh, all that you have been commanded by the Lord. We want to hear it all, man. Don't pull any punches. Just say it, man. Now Peter, opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly... I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. Woo! I understand. You know what understand that word means? It means to take eagerly, to seize. I understand. I get it now. I objected. And then I struggled with it. And now I understand. Listen, this is the way the Bible works and the Spirit of God works in our life. You read the Word of God. Do you get convicted? Say yes. And then after conviction, then starts the convincing, correct? And then once the convicting starts, and then finally you get to the convert, you convert. You go from convict, convince, convert. Convict, convince, convert. Peter is now converted. Now, here's a big question, big, big question. You gotta think, please think, it's so simple, but think now. <clears throat> Did Peter obey and then understand, or did he understand and then obey? He's in Cornelius' house. He, uh, he obeyed. And once he gets there, then he what? They understand. We want the opposite, don't we? When I understand it all, then you know no 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 you just obey and then you'll understand let me tell you the, the, the dumb illustration God gave me for this one and you'll know this one right away wax on wax off right sand the floor right you know the movie right Daniel LaRusso did he understand or did he obey he just obeyed and understand and then once he's there and, then he's like, and he starts throwing punches and Daniel you know, he starts doing all the arm movements and stuff. 
Well, now, he, and then he goes, oh my gosh, I, I can do karate now. But he didn't know that, huh? He had to obey, and then in his obedience, he understood. Same with you and I. If you reverse that, you and I will have a big problem following God. Okay. For those of you serious Bible students, write this down. It's not in your notes. Isaiah 40, verse 28. Just write it down. Isaiah 40, 28. Isaiah says this. He says, God's understanding is inscrutable. Now, the word inscrutable, this Hebrew word is really a cool word. You know what it means? It means no deliberating. If you watch any crime show or anything, they have the courtroom. Then the jury gets all the facts. They go in the next room, and what do they do? They deliberate. Is it right or is it wrong? We're going to make a decision. Isaiah says when it comes to God's word, you don't take God's word, then all of us go outside and say, well, is God right or wrong? No, you don't deliberate. It's just right, and that's it. Any amens? It's just what it is. And if you deliberate, well, then you're going to talk yourself out of it. Okay, now, let me try to drive this home. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so why is this important? Okay, let me take it back in time. I was 17 years old. Very wise. <laughs> how, do you realize how stupid we were? <laughs> God, I'm just stupid. So my parents bought this 67 GTO when I was 16, 400 engine, four speed. Can you imagine, what, what were my parents thinking? Back when gas was a whopping 37 cents a gallon for premium. So one night, I'm cruising with my buddies. And um, I said, pull over at this house. This is way before I met my wife, Olivia. In this. Pull, I go, I'm going to get, it was a girl's house. And I got off, I'm going to go visit this girl. And I tell my buddies, take the car, you can go cruising in. First big mistake. <laughs> and I told James, who had a driver's license, I said, James, don't let Marty drive it. Because Marty doesn't have a license. Larry, you know James and Barr and Marty Martinez. Yeah, they wouldn't mind if I said this story. We've, I've learned, we've known each other since elementary school. We were best friends in elementary school. Um, but uh, I, re I remember um, I'm at, that, at this girl's house, and I get, there's a knock on the door. And I open the door. Is Jim here? Call Jim. One of the guys had run all the way back to the house, this is 20 minutes later, and said, Jim, Jim, Jim Marty wrecked a car. <laughs> I go, Marty? He's not supposed to be driving. We, we run to the spot, and if you know, you're from Corona, Corona, it's on the south side of Corona, off Main Street, before you get to Ontario, going up off the right-hand side near Old Mill, but going toward west, and that area right in there, anybody know that area? It's right in there. Right in there. So Marty had a car. And he's driving down one of the jokes. Turn right, driving, and then you turn left, and Marty turned left, and then Marty kept turning left, and Marty kept turning left, and Marty went boom up on the curve, ran over a tree, boom, my car got hit, boom, the back side of the car got hit by the tree, the, another tree here, and this and that, and it was stuck there with a broken back rim flat tire. I got there, and it's like, oh my gosh. You know, you instantly think I'm 17. How am I going to lie to my mom? Because, you know, your mind goes into lie mode. And, right? Am I right? Don't act so holy on me, okay? Oh, I would never do that as a 17-year-old. Sure you wouldn't. Yeah, okay. So, 
So we literally, we all get there and we lift this thing up, jack it up, and we change the tire on there and get in there and I turn it on to get out of there. The car is now idling at 2300 RPM because the engine mounts broke when it hit. Oh, great. I'm driving and it's pulling this way because the tires are now like that. It's just way out of alignment. And so I go home and I give one of the greatest Academy Award-winning performances. I walk in my mother's room. I'll never forget walking in a room and I start crying. Mom, a dog ran out in front of me <laughs> and tears are coming down. And this is, you know, because I'm a method actor, okay? And so, and she goes, oh, don't worry, Mio. We'll take it. We'll pay for it. Don't worry. And oh, mom. Oh, mom. <laughs> so what does that story have to do with this? Nothing. It's just fun. No, I'm just <laughs> With that car so out of alignment, you're, you're, you're just fighting to keep it straight. You're fighting, fighting. What's repentance? Oh, Jim, I know. It's 180 degree, degree turn. Yeah, exactly. But let's take it, let's give it some application. Isn't repentance simply ongoing alignment with the Word of God? If I'm not doing that, doing the soul work in my life and not blaming everybody else and telling everybody how a victim I am and, and I'm oppressed and I'm everything else, you know the way the culture is. But if I start dealing with myself, I'll, it won't be a fight. I can stay going the right way. Instead of just, if, but if I don't have ongoing alignment, it's always a fight. It's always a fight. And I'll always be off this way and I'll always be off that way. Does that make sense? Peter has now come to the place where he accepts it. I'm not going to be off alignment. I'm not going to be. I'm going to walk this. I objected, but now I get it, and now I accept it. We're going to do it now. So I'm, I'm struggling. Can I have five more minutes? Yes. Thank you. One person said yes. <laughs> the rest of you will talk to you after service, okay? So... I'm struggling with the end because I, sometimes I struggle with the end you know this and I like to make sure tie it all together and I'm thinking I'm thinking God what, what, what is it and I'm a movie guy and then it hits now I'm a Marvel fan okay. now how many of you saw Infinity War and Endgame just gotta know because the rest of you, you might make it to heaven. It's questionable. Okay, so let me, let me try to explain this stuff for those of you who don't know. Okay. So Iron Man. There's that scene at the, in Endgame. It's like two years ago, the movie Endgame, where all the Avengers come back. Doctor Strange opens up the, the, the portals and they've already been brought back to life because they got the gauntlet, that metallic thing with the infinity stones. And now they're in full battle against Thanos, who's like the devil, man. He's the devil. And they're going back and forth and back and forth at this whole thing. And, 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 and they're fighting and they're fighting. And there's Iron Man. He's fighting Thanos back and forth. And over this gauntlet, because if Thanos gets this gauntlet back again, he's going to snap his fingers, and this time, instead of killing half the universe, he's going to kill everybody. Everybody. Okay, hold that thought. How did Iron Man get to this point in, like, 2020? I think the movie was 2020, maybe 20. How did he get there? Let's back up in time. Let's go to 2008. 
when the first Iron Man movie came out, of which I was very thankful. <laughs> was Iron Man, Tony Stark, was he a full-blown, he wasn't Iron Man yet. Was he a narcissist? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was all about him, man. It was everything about himself. And remember that day he's testing the Jericho rocket for the military out in the mid, supposedly Middle East, right? But if you look at the mountains, you see Mount Whitney, so he's in Lone Pine. <laughs> Just being honest, okay? I go, hey, that's Mount Whitney. He's in Lone Pine. They got the Jericho rocket in Lone Pine. All right. And he tests it up, and he's all happy and everything. And on the way, they get attacked by terrorists. And he's captured. Remember that? He's thrown in, in that prison, in that cave. And they tell him, you are going to build us a Jericho rocket. And it's in that cave that he meets a man by the name of Yensen. Remember Yensen? Yensen's this, this Middle Eastern man. And Yensen's very wise. And they start to form a friendship. And he's got to build this rocket, but he's really building the prototype for the Iron Man suit. And while he's in there, Yensen tells Tony Stark some things. And some of the things he tells him are, he goes, because Tony Stark has now seen that the very weapons his company makes are being bought by these terrorists they're used in the wrong purposes and now he, he's seeing this his eyes are beginning to open and Yinsen says is this what you want your legacy to be and then there's another moment in time where they're talking about family Yinsen says do you have family Tony Stark says no and Tony Stark says do you he goes yeah I have a wife and two kids and then Yinsen tells Tony Stark who has no family he says so you're a man who has everything but you have nothing and you see Tony Stark's face like because he's getting in his head He's making him think differently. And he's already seen that his weapons are going to the wrong places. And there's that moment in time where they've got, the, 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 the uniform is ready, the Iron Man prototype, and he's putting it on, and he's screwing him in, and he says, hit the button, hit this on the computer, and it's starting to power up. But now the terrorists, they're ca catching on, and they're coming to the tunnel to get him. And Yinsen, he looks at how far it's powering up, and he realizes, he says, we don't have enough time. And he gets a gun, he's running, and Iron Man says, where, Tony Stark says, where are you going? He goes, I'm going to go buy us some time. And he runs through the tunnel because he's got the gun of these terrorists who were killed. And, and he starts shooting it up to buy time. And remember him running through the tunnel? And then he stops. And all the terrorists are right there and they all have the guns pointed at him. Boom, and they just shoot him and they just fill him full of lead and he falls to the ground. And Yensen's dying on the ground. Iron Man, the terrorists come to the tunnel. Iron Man, boom, here he comes. And all of a sudden, he just starts going nuts, man in this Iron Man prototype cause, and he's killing the terrorists and boom this and this and he's getting his way through the tunnel he finally gets to the place where Yinsen's at lying on the ground and he says come on come on we gotta go we gotta go because you gotta see your family and Yinsen says because Yinsen lied before he says my family's dead I'm gonna go see them now and you're like <laughs> and then he tells Iron Man this Stark, don't waste this. Don't waste it. And Stark knows what he means. Because up to now, as successful as Stark was, he, he's wasting his life. And he gets out. And as he gets out, he has that press conference. And he says, my company's not going to make these weapons anymore. We're going to change everything. Throws everyone in an uproar. Whenever you go against your culture, your ethnicity, and everything else, it's going to throw them in an uproar. They're going to know what to do with you. But he says, now I'm going to do the right thing now. 2008. Flash forward 2020. 
He's now Iron Man with the cool suit. And he's battling Thanos, the devil. Whoever gets this, this, this metallic glove with the six infinity stones, they, they rule. And they can't let Thanos get it. And they're battling back and forth. And Thanos pulls it. And he's got, he puts it on. And Thanos says these words. He says, I am inevitable. And he goes, and nothing happens. And Thanos looks at the glove. And the stones aren't in there. And then you go look at Tony Stark Iron Man. And he had created this thing. And it's got the infinity stones in it. He's got it. And remember when he looks at Doctor Strange? Do you remember that moment? Anybody remember that moment? Somebody say, yes, please. And Doctor Strange goes, and they go like, because it was the only way. This is the only way it's going to work. He, Tony knows he's going to kill him once he snaps his fingers. When Thanos says, I am inevitable, Tony Stark says this, and I am Iron Man. And he snaps his finger. And Thanos and all the evil people they just dissolve. And Tony Stark saves the universe. And he dies on the spot, which really upsets me. Because I hate when the ones I grew up, these are the ones who were the ones who have been Iron Man, Captain, for a long time, and now they're going to change? Oh, no, please, no. Come back to life, Tony. <laughs> and, and he dies. And he dies saving mankind. That had never happened back in 08. He was a narcissist. But he was convicted. He was convinced. And he was converted. And now he lives to his full potential. He's Iron Man. And he saves the world. Oh, but wait, but wait, but wait. But wait. But he got to be that and to do that because way back here, back in time, somebody in a cave died. Who was that again? Jensen. Jensen died back in time so that Tony could live and do that. See, back in time, a couple of thousand years ago, Jesus Christ died, was buried, rose from the dead so that anybody who puts faith in him could live and could give a, begin a process, if you're being honest and I'm being honest with myself, of transforming our thinking to take off the limits of our life and live what God wants us to live in our life. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that your word is true. It is so true. And we need to really, really take it to heart. We need to be lovers of this word. Readers of the word. Stu students of the word. God, I pray this message is just not one like, oh, that's a good message. No. I pray we take a dart, do the soul work for the rest of our life and apply the truth. No matter where it challenges you and I in our cultural thinking, personal thinking, ethnic thinking, relational thinking, God's word is true and we're not, okay? Lord, help us to do the work and take it seriously and therefore take the limits off our life and live the full purpose of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Stand up with me, everybody. Repeat out loud after me, everybody, with gusto. Here we go. Lord, keep me outward focused and fill me with your spirit 
Give me the boldness to share the gospel with others. Open up opportunities to minister outside the church because I see what I'm looking for and make me into a generous person like you. God bless you guys. Go get those kids from me. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.